Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jess Geyer. I am one half of Wannabe Games. I am a TTRPG designer, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hi, Craig. Hello. Um, yeah, I'm Craig. I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games, um, and I also design all sorts of role-playing games uh, that way. And we have a guest today, um, as you would expect, because we've had a guest on every single episode. The sun um, rises. <laughs> um, Jeffrey Golden. Hello, everybody. I am the I, I am the continuation of a long-running series of guests, and I'm honored to be part <laughs> of that chain. And um, who are you and what do you do with uh, with role-playing games? Well, who am I is a deep existential question. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> but in terms of uh, game design, uh, I'm a TTRPG creator and a narrative designer for video games. Uh, I've written for Capcom, Square Enix, Disney Interactive, and then in the tabletop space, some of my projects include Helm Great Castle for Image Comics and Wet Hot American Summer Fantasy Camp. Uh, the official role-playing game based on the Netflix uh, series and movies. And uh, and yeah, and I've got a brand new uh, adventure coming to uh, the DMs Guild, which uh, maybe we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, I would <laughs> definitely like to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Craig, what are we doing today? What are our topics? Oh boy, as always, uh, starting with a, uh, uh, um, a GMing topic and then rolling into a... Uh, game design topic um, with the very high likelihood that we will kind of mix and match between the two and we might tangent off here and there. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a topic that I know is very near and dear to your heart, Jess, which is um, remembering that the GM is a player too. Um, and, uh, and, and all of the expectations that come with being the GM and kind of coupling that with the idea that you're also there as the GM to have fun, to portray characters, to enjoy that camaraderie and to, uh, to not um, feel any more burdened than is absolutely necessary, necessary with the additional um, uh, responsibilities that the GM carries um, because there are a handful. So uh, what, what, do, what do we all want to say about that? What's, what's your thoughts, Jess? <laughs> I mean, as a person, I love GMing. I, I like GMing more than I like being a player most of the time. So for me, that's, that's the way I like to play these games. So yeah, I feel, I've always felt like a player in the game when I've, when I've run a game for other people. Um, but sometimes, you know, you don't feel like you're treated that way. Um, I don't know. It's it this this um, TTRPGs are it's a give and take, right? But some people feel like you are the you are the television screen. You are the video game meant to give me my experience. Please give me my fun experience. And I don't I don't care what you have planned. I don't care what you have prepped. <laughs> I don't care what wonderful snacks you brought to the table, Jess. Why aren't you making this? Do the funny voice. Do the funny voice, Jess. Uh, anyway, I <laughs> dance monkey. <laughs> And you brought the snacks too? <laughs> My God. Because it's one thing, it's one thing to prep, to do all that adventure prep, the, the story stuff, but to also bring the snacks. Oh my God. The players should be bringing, players should be bringing the snacks. That's my, that's my opinion. Yes, I but, understand. But Jess is also a player. Right. I agree. <laughs> I, yes. But the, the non-GM of players who can come in and didn't have to prepare uh, earlier, they, they should have to bring the snacks. That's my, that's my hot take. <laughs> I, I like to make like cookies and, and brownies when people come to my house to, to play. I don't mind doing that for them because I, I also get a great amount of enjoyment, just like I get a great amount of enjoyment of my players um, enjoying my game. I get a great amount of enjoyment of my players enjoying my cookies that it's like the same feeling, the feeling of pride. Like I made this thing and you all love it and please praise me for my wonderful skills. Um, but yeah, I think I, that is one thing that I've seen a lot um, where the GM is kind of have not necessarily abused, but, you know, taken for granted with often the GM is the person whose house you're going to go to if you're playing mm -hmm. or they're the person who is, organizing the calendar of events and making sure all the players are on schedule. Um, they're, they're providing not just the game experience, but the, the other experience, because they're probably the people bringing other players to the table and all of that. And uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work that a regular player doesn't often do. Well, this, this is why I always advocate. I agree with you a hundred percent. And by the way, the thing about the, the, your point about, uh, 
uh, about some players treating the the dm as though they are a video game uh absolutely i've seen it it mm-hmm. uh it sucks uh you know because again if you want to play a video game those are out there like if you want a quote-unquote faceless opponent you know like you can have that experience and there's 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 plenty of it out there but uh D offers something special um it offers li- it offers sort of a live give and take it's a it's a pot like it's a story potluck that we're all, you know, we're all bringing elements to it. And so uh, for that reason, you know, in terms of, uh, I I like to take the pressure off of the GM when possible. So for example, the GM is often the one who schedules, right? Well, there's there's nothing that says that that couldn't be somebody else's responsibility. Why does it, just because the GM is telling the, is the storyteller doesn't mean that they also have to be the scheduler. Somebody else could pitch in, set up that calendar lead link and get everybody's <laughs> thing, you know, that, that could be, that could be somebody else. And, and, you know, you love making food for, for your players and God bless you that you do. But if, if you didn't, you know, if you, uh, maybe somebody else could host somebody, uh, one of the other players could you know, could play host and could have, we could have it at their place. And, you know, they, they provide the food. I'm clean playing up a, clean up afterwards, clean up afterwards, yes. or that could be another person could be the clean, you know, Mr. Mrs. Cleanup could just stay <laughs> afterwards and be, but like dividing up those responsibilities. Cause it is building a barn, right? Like mm-hmm. when you come and you, you do this, it's an incredible thing. You are creating live a play basically like in, the evening and you know when you put on a play there's somebody who takes the tickets there's actors who play take on different parts there's there's a director there's a theater director there's cleanup team you know so maybe thinking of it that way might uh might help alleviate some of the pressure yeah i I love that yeah like just asking players you know as the gm just ask the players and say hey can i've got a i've got a lot going on i know you real I, i know all of you realize that um and and see if you can have somebody else do the scheduling be in charge of snacks, you know, if somebody can host, um, you know, barring like there's, there's some GMs where, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're playing a game that's heavy on minis and maps and terrain and all that kind of stuff. And like, that's all at your home and that's easier to host, obviously don't go making, because <laughs> now you're making more work from your, for yourself by having to haul all that crap around. Um, but you know, if you can, yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of spread some of that stuff around. Um, one of the things that kind of struck me too, is I've, I've seen this, um, I've played at a, at a bunch of different tables with a bunch of different GMs, different styles <clears throat> in my 30 years playing games and um, is uh, just finding ways to reinforce with the players that you're kind of with them, that you're on their side, that you're, um, you know, kind of part of that team, because you might be playing an NPC that kind of has the the same interests as the players characters and, you know, like you you want that. Like they want to see that NPC succeed and thrive and everything go great until you decide you need to, you know, have a victim <laughs> to, uh, to motivate everybody. Um, but you can find ways to make sure that you stay engaged um, on that level. Like I had, a, I had a GM once who, when the players, we, we played a very, it was a fairly tactical game. There was always like a, people, we would plan before like big things were going to happen. And when the players started to plan in character and figure out how they're going to take on the bad guy or infiltrate the lair or whatever, um, the GM would sort of tune out um, and and we knew that they did it and we knew that they did it because they wanted to be surprised. They didn't want to hear every little bit, every little detail. Um, and they would be present to answer a question. Like if you had a very specific question, you could you know, ask the GM, but sometimes the GM would actually get up and walk away too. Um, what, what I like to do in those types of situations, just to kind of keep engaged with the players in that level is actively listen to what they're talking about and let my face react. Um, because when they're planning and coming up with cool ideas, they're going to be, you know, people are, they're going to be smiling and they're going to be like, oh, that's going to be great. Like if this works out, like, this uh-huh. is going to be spectacular. <laughs> and you, I, I like to be right there along with them. And, you know, like when somebody says like, okay, and if this works, it's going to kick ass and I'm going to sit there and go, yeah, it really will. Now let's see if it works, you know? <laughs> um, and, and just kind of, you know, play on that level and, and not distance myself from the, 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 the player group, um, any more than absolutely necessary. I think that, yeah, not distancing yourself from the player group and those NPCs, I, that's my favorite thing about being a GM is creating fun NPCs that 
maybe wouldn't necessarily work as a player because they're maybe a little bit more Mary Sue than a player should be. Um, but having, having an NPC that you have an idea for a character arc for and letting the players kind of help that NPC along that character arc. I, that's my favorite way of enjoying a game as an, as a GM. I love, um, I love frenemy NPCs. We're like, yeah, we're on the same side, but I'm also kind of a dirtbag. I love that. <laughs> um, and then the way that the players interact with you can change the tra- trajectory of your of your NPC's storyline. Are they going to go full dirtbag or are they going to do a, and what's the opposite of a heel turn? They're going to do heel turn or not. What's the yeah, opposite a of face, a heel? Fa- <laughs> face, a face turn. turn. Face, face turn. turn. I was like, yeah. I know there's a word for it. Um, but I, I it, you don't think of your, as a GM, not thinking of yourself as not a player, but also not thinking of, you of your NPCs as not PC. PC is still like the character, the C is still a thing. <laughs> they still, they can, they don't have to be static. They don't have to not have internal lives. You have the wonderful position as a GM of getting to run all of these little internal lives um, and playing dolls with your friends. It's great. I, I, that's my favorite part. It's like when I played Barbies with my sister and, um, she would tell me how to run all of my characters. She would, she, she had the life for all of my characters and I would be like, yeah, okay, well then this is what happens. I, that's, I've always loved that. You know, that's a (laughs) real real quick aside. I love that you refer to it as playing dolls because um, in games where minis are used a lot, I have often referred to it exactly that way. And I've I've got friends who aren't big gamers who say stuff like when you get together with your geeky friends and play dolls. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I've I've literally done the thing where I'll have like either standees or or minis and I will like do the little move the move yeah, the mini while together. they're talking move the other <laughs> mini wall and I'm like having a conversation with myself in front of a bunch of people like yep. it's a very strange experience as an adult <laughs> sorry Jeffrey I interrupted you oh no no just thinking uh back on what you you said a little bit a little earlier about uh because you mentioned heel turns and face turns and I actually think wrestling is a pretty good metaphor uh, for role-playing games in a sense. So from the outside, it looks like an adversarial relationship, mm-hmm. right? That these two uh, these two opponents, right, are both trying to win and they both hate each other for various story reasons. And they're both like punching and kicking <laughs> each other until like one of them uh, submits and, and, and wins, right? And so from the outside, that's like, oh yeah, they are they are opponents, they are adversaries. But what we what we know really is that they are colleagues. They're working together to tell a story. They're not really hitting each other, or if they are, it's consensual. They're doing it on purpose <laughs> and they're telegraphing it to each other. They are putting on, they're creating a story in the ring together where one of them is pretending to be the villain, the other one is pretending to be the hero in order to entertain. An audience, or, or in the case of role playing games, to entertain themselves, or maybe with an actual play, maybe they are entertaining an audience. So I think that that may be a useful metaphor for folks. Uh, just thinking about the very beginning of the conversation about about who who think about it in terms of like a video game. It's like, no, no, it's less like it's less like a video game. It's more like a dance. It's more like a wrestling match where you are, uh, you know, you maybe the outcome isn't scripted ahead of time, but uh, although you know, kind of is if you're, mm-hmm. if you, until, unless the players completely derail what the DM is thinking, it, there is a script to it, you know, about, about the story that they're intending to tell. Um, but yeah, you're working together to tell a story, even if it appears that you're, the relationship is adversarial. Yeah. And it's not really like a script, like, like you mentioned, it's not really a script, but stories do have beats that make sense, that make logical sense. It's just the way yep. that we tell stories is people yeah but yeah I, I love the the wrestling comparison there are a lot of ttrpg designers <laughs> and players that also love wrestling and i think it's for a reason i'm one oh, of them. Ab- absolutely <laughs> and there's a reason that you have uh like the wrestling uh like wrestling superstars show up at autograph events and walks of fame and stuff at geeky yeah. conventions because it's the same crowd it's the people yeah. who yeah. love comic books wrestling is just comic books in a square circle you know it's just mm-hmm. the, the, the the villain gets his monologue <laughs> and yeah. the hero gets their press conference yeah. and then they do battle. Right. 
Um, and uh, it, it, you know, it, and it, it extends to lovers of genre fiction and extends to uh, role-playing games and so forth. Um, yeah, uh, that's a great way to think of it. Like that's, that's, I think if that's not a, uh, a, a great uh, topic for like a panel at a convention, I don't know what is like how to turn the, the, the tropes of and how uh, professional wrestling functions into making a great game like that. Like you get together some people like Jeff Stormer and Jim McClure and some of the other um, RPG designers who are really hardcore uh, mm -hmm. professional wrestling fans. Like that's a, that's a, a, a seminar I want to sit and watch. Yeah, Absolutely. So, so guys, if you're listening, anybody else out there too, not just be on those two. I don't know who else is. I'm sure there's plenty of uh, other. <laughs> there's, certainly fans there's certainly tons of wrestlers who would want to participate in that. Cause there, there are a lot of wrestlers who play, D and D, like oh, yeah. uh, on uh, AEW, which is the TNT promotion, they they there's a number of uh, of wrestlers who are who are super into it, and uh, yeah, they play on Twitch and stuff. It's really cool. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. They get to they yeah. get to do their their wrestling persona style and all the put all those skills to use. Um, you know, <laughs> just it's the same lounging thing. lounging in a chair, and they don't have to worry about getting <laughs> beat over the head with a folding chair. I know. <laughs> But that's the thing. They 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 love the phys the physical stuff too. It's yeah. really it, but you know, but yeah, but it does take a toll after a while. Whereas, oh, yeah, a lot you can absolutely. get a lot of the similar sort of that similar sort of we're working together to, to tell a story uh energy, you know, from uh from TTR from uh, TTRPGs, yeah, without needing uh to abuse Vicodin or what or what <laughs> yeah. have you. Uh yeah, I, I think the 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 idea like again, the, the, the great position you get to be in as a GM is experiencing that story as it goes. Yeah. You have a little bit more control maybe than some of like a regular player, but you, you get to experience the story and get to be surprised by, by your players or pretend to hate them. Sometimes that's always fun. Um, and it's fun sometimes to be the adversarial GM that is out to murder all of the play. That's fun too. Like, how do you oh, want yeah. to enjoy the game? Um, what I what I hate and the reason why that this this topic is like my pet topic is I, I hate reading when people get on to like the subreddits for D D or the subreddits for like GMing and they say like I am just not having a good time playing this game. I like I, I put all this work into it. I'm spending hours of prep and then I have these players walk all over me. Like why what is it that allows us as GMs to think that we don't deserve the same amount of fun. I don't, I don't, I funny. don't get it. Cause I've never necessarily been in that situation. Funny because it sort of bleeds into the next topic uh, that's coming up, which I get, I'll give a, I'll give a preview for Ooh, uh, the topic of, peek. of boundaries, <laughs> right? In this case, it's setting emotional boundaries and expectations right it goes beyond the game and the the you know you could put tons of work into the story you know building a beautiful you could build a beautiful garden for people but if they're just going to trample all over the flowers then you're going to feel like you've wasted your time you know what you want is if you build a garden for people you want people to experience it and mm -hmm. you know whether or not they decide to smell the flowers whether they decide to take pictures of them you know, but the idea is you've set this up and the expectation is that the people who come to it are going to treat it with respect. And you, you need to make sure that you are with players who are treating you and the work that you're doing, I think, with respect. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate that there are, are people on these Reddits who don't feel that their friends or their, their uh, fellow players are, are respecting their time. But that's what it means. That's, that's, again, we're talking about the relationship between the non-GM players and the the and the GM is it there has to be that respect that comes with, you know, oh, you put all this, you learned all these the the lore, you invented this town, you did, you know, I'm not just gonna go around and start like, you know, beheading stuff people and just being a jerk, you know, just being a jerk just to be a jerk. Like yeah. I'm gonna, I wanna give, I wanna give what you well, I want to give your intentions a chance with the story right like let me let me uh, as they say in improv they say yes and mm -hmm. right that's the that's when you're building an improv scene with someone so if you have two people up on stage and one says uh boy it sure is great being on a moon colony 
with you. And the other person is like, we're not on a moon colony. We're at a McDonald's. Then it's like, well, we didn't really go anywhere with this scene. Right. <laughs> but if you say, but if the person says, oh, it's great to be on this moon colony with you. And, and then the second person says, it is. And look at this weird pulsating rock I just found. <laughs> now we have a scene, right? We agree. You agreed with the other person that we the real the shared reality is true mm -hmm. right and now i'm adding to it right as opposed to undercutting it by not paying attention or by doing whatever i want or by saying you know hey like you know screw this i want to do something else entirely um so yeah it's uh it i i feel really yeah i feel really bad too that's frustrating it is. I and mean, I, you don't want your players to treat what you're doing with disdain, right? It's yeah. like, I just like, I don't want anyone to treat anything that I'm doing with disdain. That's the worst feeling. And a great way to encourage players to respect what you're doing is to respect what they're doing mm -hmm. and making sure that like, if they've got an interesting backstory hook that you find a way to incorporate something about that, like you make sure everybody has their time to talk at the table um, and you're doing, and these are, you know, quote unquote GM duties. But if you're being um, if you're being equitable with the time and fair in, in any rules judgments that you're doing and being consistent with how you handle everything, mm -hmm. you know, that, that shows that you respect the players putting, uh, you know, their effort and what they've put together behind, because, you know, they're, they're spending time too. They're, they're creating a character and they're mastering the rules and figuring out how they can do stuff. And they're, they're working together as a group. Um, and, uh, you know, just treat that, uh, respectfully as well. And that it, I think, all of that kind of helps to open any line of communication where if at some point you start to feel like uh, you're getting kind of distance from the group, like they're just treating you like the person who just like sets the stage and then, and then they're going to run around in the garden um, and trample over everything. Like you can, then it puts, it makes it an easier proposition for you as the GM to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not having fun the mm -hmm. way things are going right now. Can we, can we switch this up and change up how we're approaching this or that? Here's uh, building off of that and above what we're talking about here. Um, here's something that I've done before when I've uh, when I've GM'd. Um, so what I'll do is I'll send like a little, just like a one question questionnaire to all the players. And it can sort of serve as like a little bit of like a teaser for the next game session, but it can also help me uh, help them tell the story that they want that they may be interested in telling or expressing their character. So I'll say, I'll send them a question. It'll be like, what does your character fear the most? What would be your character's idea of a great day off? Like, and I don't, I say, I'm not, it's not a guarantee that I'm going to use all, all of this material, but I want to hear, from, I want to hear about your character. And then, you know, if I have in my head, like, okay, if, I'm going to go, I'm making a cave of fears, you know, where every, the players are going to see visions of the things that they're afraid of most, right? It's like, oh, okay, I can build, I can, okay, now let me get their input ahead of time and I can use that input. And then I'm respecting the players and their characters and like thinking about tying them in directly while at the same time, like supporting my vision of what I had my intention of what this game session was going to look like. So there's, I think there's, the, there are ways to sort of solicit feedback from your players and about their character and to sort of weave that, that in even on a week to week basis. Sure. I, I recently did this where I sent out a Google form to my players to get them ready for a beach episode, like that, that trope. Yeah. And I asked them, okay, so what beach episode trope do you want your character to do? <laughs> what do you want to happen? <laughs> and then I also tried to creep them out a bit because I knew something that I wanted to happen, which was to bring up an old enemy that they never killed um, <laughs> and have them show up at the beach because that's at a beach <laughs> episode party. Something bad does still have to happen. Um, right. Although the stakes are a little lower. <clears throat> so I, Was there the, a surf competition? <laughs> they didn't do a surf them? competition. <laughs> they didn't do that. Um, but they, they had a volleyball competition is what they did instead. <laughs> oh, amazing. Great. Uh, yeah. Maybe funnier. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. It was, it was fun to do a volleyball tournament tournament. Um, but, uh, then the third page of the questionnaire, I had a bunch of corrupted text and they had to keep clicking through the corrupted text until it was an image. It was like a, a heavily edited image of the character that they never killed, um, that said oh, there was no man. hope. Um, and then I was like, okay, 
And I, I just pretended that that wasn't part of the, <laughs> the questionnaire and moved on with my life. And it made, uh, made my, my next session fun. Cause I knew I had already set them up to expect something bad to happen. Um, that I, I like to, uh, have a little bit of fun that way oh wonderful you are you are a very good gm like anybody who was at your table is very lucky to have you. Oh, that's the you. kind of, that's that's the kind of like that's the kind of like attention to detail and like outside the box like storytelling and thinking that i think makes ttrpgs so much fun in the first place mm-hmm. is that like you can create for your characters, like almost like a theme, almost like the way you build like a theme park. Like you can, those like that, like attention to detail, those like little things are, I think the the things that the players uh, take away with them and they really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, makes that, makes the experience that much better. Um, which is why, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to have so much respect for the folks who, who do it because, uh, you know, it's really a labor of love. Well, do you want to awkwardly segue into our next? Well, it's not even that awkward because no, speaking no. speaking of labors of love, designing a game. Uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we're we're also talking about um, boundaries as a game designer this episode, uh, and I, uh, I'm curious about um, uh, was was this your topic that you brought up, Jeff Jeffrey, or was no, that one you, of ours? It's a great a great topic, but one of yours. Uh, I'm I'm happy to speak on it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm I'm curious about what the both of you have to say about uh, boundaries as designers. Well, I'm the one who wrote the wrote the topic down, so I guess I can start. Um, the uh, and it's just something that I've become more cognizant of as I've been doing this longer and longer, and gotten to know more and more designers and seen discussions about this type of thing um, in the social medias, where um, the 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 the, the the, the quick summation is, um, you know, as a good game designer, you create the game, you put it out there in whatever form you're producing it for people to play. And those people are accessing it and playing it how they do. And then you owe them nothing more. Um, there's a, there's a tendency with, um, with fandom and we've seen the worst of it, right? We've seen mm-hmm. the people who have like very, very strong opinions about Star Wars and, and specifically George Lucas um, and will rail at, at length about how, well, Lucas should have done this, Lucas should have done that. And it's like, well, you know what? I'm very, very sorry to tell you, but that is George Lucas's world and he created that and he owes you nothing. Mm-hmm. He right. he gave you a movie that, uh, you know, a series, uh, you know, each movie just like on its own merits. He gave you this movie and you can go see it or not. And then you can be entertained or not. And that's it. Um, and there, there, there are arguments to be made that like, you know, when he become a global phenomenon, <laughs> like that, that maybe he owes uh, the fandom a little bit more. But, you know, when it comes to game designers, you aren't we're not George Lucas, um, you know, and uh, well, you know, speak not, for the, yourself. the best, the best, <laughs> the best and most widely known among us are not George Lucas or Spielberg or any of that uh, people of, of that, you know, uh, notoriety and, and, and reach, but you know, there's, there's a tendency sometimes with game designers to, you know, you like it's, it's social media gives you a great opportunity to engage with the fans, to answer questions, to be personable and for them to, um, think like, well, Hey, this is really cool. Like, you know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to talk to such and such a game designer, um, unless I got lucky and came up, you know, came upon them at a convention. Um, and uh, a lot of talk about parasocial relationships and how they're not really friendships, everybody. It's like, this is a person that you kind of know through social media and they're answering questions or, or having a little talk with you about like a genre or a trope or something mm-hmm. or some aspect of their game. But they don't, you know, this, it, it, it's easy to tell, you know, to, to scream into the Twitter void, you know, game designers don't owe you anything, but it's harder for the game designer themselves to remember you don't owe them anything like there's there you you can draw a line and say okay this is as far as i'm going to go with discussing something or answering questions if somebody gets abusive if they um if they take advantage of your availability and relation and and the time that you spend answering stuff and they keep pressing you or trying to you know make it like extend this conversation when it's like well i've kind of talked to you about the thing and we're we're done now (laughs) because um i can't keep doing all of this because i've got other um, other things to, 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 to do. So, you know, just as a game designer, I think it's important to recognize 
all of that because in the in the age that we live in, it's easy for you to get sucked into um, spending time um, developing or or promoting like a like a parasocial relationship where it's it's still you know you're creating a thing, they're buying it, and there ends the relationship. Yeah. Really, yeah, I, I I agree. I mean that yeah, boy, it's cha- I mean. On the one hand, right, there's like, okay, they purchased something from you. And to I think to a certain extent, there may be a level of customer support that one could reasonably expect uh, from a product, you mm-hmm. know. Um, okay, like if you want to tell me that there are typos, like, absolutely. Go ahead and tell me there are typos. And that's, that, is use, that is useful information. It makes the book more professional if I fix them, you know. Um, if, you know, you have a, have a single question, you know, it's like, okay, like how is this compatible with this or what have you? Like, I think that's fair. A question, you know, it's like, oh, okay. I purchased it. And I, I, I'm unsure about how this aspect of how to run it. I think that's fair, but I think I agree with you, uh, Craig, it can definitely cross a line, um, where it becomes less about like, I am a fan of this thing, or I purchased this thing, and I would like support for it, or I would like to show you my support for it, and more like, I want to control it, right? Like, it's like, I want it to be mine now. And I think that the, the, George, the George Lucas thing is, a, is a sort of an, is an apt comparison. Like, there is like legitimate criticism to be made of George Lucas's work in films. And I've seen like some very good, I've seen very good um, you know, newspaper critic, but also like, you know, YouTube criticism of like specific aspects of like George Lucas's work or whatever, you know, um, that's fair, you know, to that's, we can't expect that our work won't be criticized or whatever, but there is a, there can be this sort of entitlement that comes with this idea of like, well, we're Star Wars, you know, and what we say goes. And so you have to do it. It's like, we want this character to die. So you have to make the character die. And it's like, well, no, I mean, you're fans. Like the relationship here is I make the stuff, you consume it and talk about it. And that's the, that's the, rela- that's the relationship we have. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree that, the, that the, with, especially with smaller creators, you're encouraged to be, you know, on social media and therefore like to be friendly and build that relationship. But that's still just because that, you know, it's like, um, I'll use a, I'll, I'll use a metaphor. It's sort of like, uh, like going to the strip club, like, <laughs> right. Like there are some people who go to the strip club. Most people who go to the strip club, I think understand that like the dancer is there to enter is there to entertain you for money. Like that's the relationship. And there are maybe some people who go and they think, oh, no, we're, we're in a relationship now. Like we are, you know, this is this is like a this you're like my girlfriend or something like that. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what this is, you know. <laughs> um, and so like, yeah, like even though she is friendly, even though she might be flirty, you know, or he for that matter, for, I mean, all strip clubs or women dance for men. No. There are other types of strip clubs, many types of strip clubs, Jeffrey. Get it together. This is, this is 2021. That's okay. That's okay. You're speaking from your experience. I'm speaking specifically from my illustrious go. experience. But you know, there's that, there's that, uh, there's that the, the situation where it's like, it's like, oh yeah, they are pretending, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and I think like that's it. It's like as creators, you know, we're, we're not, I mean, we're pretending we may like you, you know, and we certainly are, you know, very grateful, you know, for the purchase and the support, but it doesn't mean that like you can now control the product. It doesn't mean that we are like best friends, you know, I am not your game designer boyfriend. I'm not your game designer (laughs) boyfriend. I've got, uh, I've got, I've got a wife and I design (laughs) games for money. So I want a shirt that says, I'm not your game designer boyfriend. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I want to see you wear that shirt. Because you, you could have said, I'm not your game designer girlfriend, but you said, I'm not your game designer boyfriend. And that is spectacular. <laughs> hey, I, I'm genderqueer. It's fine. I can do whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Um, 
I, I think like we're, we're <laughs> as, as game designers, the, the wonderful thing um, that's different between us and other types of media is that it's we're not there's not a lot of us that are super popular and well known. Um, and, and that is a good thing because when you do get really super popular and well-known, people do start getting these, um, heavy expectations out of you. However, like at least in like a lot of the social media spheres that I'm in, you know, it's pretty insular. People know each other, people talk to each other and they know their games. And there's this kind of expectation that who you are and who your games are should be, they should match and like mm-hmm. if like there there is some pressure to to get things right. Um, I'm not saying that uh, I want to be very clear about this. I'm not saying that I am excusing anyone for being like actual like bad like holding bad opinions and 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 being a bad person. Um, but uh, like these expectations of uh, what an indie gamer should be like and what they should like and what their opinions about things like D and D should be um, can that can be pretty heavy in a social media presence. Like for me, yeah, I, I have a Twitter for wannabe games that I've tweeted like twice on. I, I, mm-hmm. I like my own personal Twitter. That's where I tweet about my games and about my own opinions and they're kind of together, but those are two, although very similar, different aspects of my life. Um, now there are like, when you get into actual plays though, and things like that, you can start seeing more of these more toxic kinds of parasocial relationships. Parasocial relationships are great for marketing. They're great for selling your game. They're great for building a community. I'm not saying all parasocial relationships are are bad. It's a thing that happens, but you can see them start to get toxic when you know you're putting the the fans in this in in like making them feel like, oh, we're a family here. This mm-hmm. is a, this is our community. Um, I'm particularly thinking about critical role um, and where that can get really toxic is when someone attacks, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, which is great for podcasting, but when someone <laughs> a, attacks that media and then you have a barrage of fans getting upset because you've criticized a thing. Uh, you right. see this a lot with D and D because D and D is a very popular game. It is the popular game in um, in TTRPGs, and you can like someone can make a pretty level criticism about this game, and then you will see a bunch of people get very upset about that. Uh, I I think uh, like it, it's nice to have people defend your games, but in being cognizant about you know what kind of what kind of relationships they're having with your games i think is important uh again luckily yeah. i'm not in that position where like the things i say like i don't have fans attacking me for my work or or attacking <laughs> other people for attacking my work uh, but i have seen it um again particularly in actual plays um and, and places like that get a little out of hand um and i've seen it in podcasts too where a person on their personal Twitter will make a political statement and then people will be like, well, I really liked your podcast, but I wish you wouldn't tweet about like, oh, hold on. No, we're different. We're different people. Uh, again, I don't run into this. My games are very political and they, my games share my politics. Um, if anyone's confused about what I believe after reading some of my games, I, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I think that l- lucky indie game designer not super well-known or popular but <laughs> as an indie game designer if i say like oh i don't like D because of blank 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 and then a bunch of people pile on me and then start leaving negative reviews on my game for an opinion that i had right. that's where it starts to become a problem I kind of rambled on that but like i'm, just <laughs> no, no, not, I'm not in that position where like the, <laughs> the 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 boundaries as a game designer are super problematic for me yet Let's Which get really, good. I'm going to wait until I get really popular. And then I'm going to like, I'm going to come out with my big oof nuclear take. It'll be. Yeah, let's revisit the, <laughs> let's revisit the topic. And yeah, let's blast the fans into oblivion. <laughs> a lot of great stuff. Um, they, so for, for, you know, and I'm a game dev, so I'm a lot of game dev. And boy, like uh, things have gotten to the point where um, if fans don't like a video game, they will harass the voice actors. Yes. Like, this is like, to me, this is like a mind-blowing thing. Do people not understand, like, the level of 
uh, creative control that voice actors tend to have in the in a in a story? Like, can you guess? It's not a lot usually. Like, it's it, I mean, they're 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 coming in. They're doing a great a great you know job. Uh, but they come into a booth for maybe a couple days and they leave. It's not a, it's, uh, and so the fact that they have to fend off these attacks from people and they're legitimate attacks. I mean, mm-hmm. let's, cause, so I think one thing to speak to your point, it's like, well, let's, let's, we got to separate things here. There's, it's one thing to say this game, I didn't like this game because I think that games should be uh, should have more rules. This is a rule too much of a rules light game, and I feel like it's too all over the place. And so I feel like you know this game this game doesn't do it for me, or I I feel like players like me will not like this game. Avoid mm-hmm. this game. It's like yeah, that's that's a perfectly fair criticism. You know, it comes from a personal point of view. You know, um, it's another thing to be like. We should we should go to this person's house and like <laughs> throw stones at their windows until they change the rules to make the rules like I want them to be. We should send this person death threats mm-hmm. because this didn't meet my expectations. It's like, no, don't do that. Why are you doing that? Please stop doing that. <laughs> like, like you know, again, it's like you know, and even going back to what we we're talking about, it's like this per- these people people who work on games are building a garden for you. Like walk around the garden, smell the flowers, you know, decide that the garden isn't for you and leave, you know, that, oh, I would rather be watching a movie today than going to a garden. Like that's all, that's all fine. And tell your friends that this garden isn't particularly a great garden. That's all fine, you know, but when it comes, but when it's like, no, I don't like this garden and I'm going to take my shears. I'm going to set the garden on fire. Like, <laughs> like there's, there's boundaries, you know, there's lines, not that you shouldn't cross. Well, there's thinking back to something that you said earlier, Jeffrey, about um, like the idea of like people feel that they own Star Wars um, with RPGs. RPGs are, are a little different and unique in the respect that they are not for consumption. They are for use. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, and, and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of people that buy, buy an RPG book and they read it and they just, they consume it and they never get a chance to play it. But the assumption is right that, here. you know, that, hand, the right assumption, here. the assumption is that there is a certain, you know, that, that, that there will be playing of the game. There will, that they will be using the game and something that I've done, and maybe this will help anybody out there, burgeoning RPG designer, or even somebody who's been around for a little while and they want to start laying this law down is, um, I've made it very, very clear, and I've used this this sort of line in um, in blog posts, on tweets, Facebook, in my Discord. I've used it all over the place. Um, I've used it, I've written it in game books, which is to say that like when the, the, it, what it boils down to is once you've bought the book, the game is yours. You can do absolutely anything you want with it. There's there's no reason, and that and the point I'm trying to make when I say that sort of thing is like, I'm giving them, not that I have to give them permission because I don't owe them permission and they don't need my permission, but I'm giving them, you know, implicitly giving them permission that they can just make the game into what they want it to be. If you don't like how I designed some rule or you think this would work better that way or this or whatever, go ahead and change it. That's fine. You can do that. Um, that, that has been happening since, you know, the first role-playing games came out. Um, it's just that we are living in a time now where you can let the uh, designer know, you know, you can give them a piece of your mind. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't, again, unless you happen to run in them, run into them at a convention, you couldn't tell them like, but well, this rule sucks. We did it. We do it differently because you're a bad designer or whatever. Like, not that it necessarily See, got the, quite that, that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, yeah you, but if you give, if you give that permission, if you just kind of slyly slide that in there and just say, Hey, you know, like once the game's in your hands, once you've got the book or the PDF or whatever, it just go nuts, do what you want to do with it. I frankly, and I, I've said this many times too, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. If, if it makes the game better for you, great. Yeah. Great. Like if you don't like the playing card mechanics in capers, you want to make dice mechanics for the game, go to town, just use the setting or even half the setting or whatever it is you like about the game. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Make, I it, think make it what you want it. And, uh, and you don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to come at a designer or anybody who's in a creative position in cr- creating something. And, uh, and, and kind of get after them. And so anything you can do as a, as a designer that helps to kind of put that distance there, to put that a little shield up or put a buffer zone in there. To set a, 
to set a boundary, perhaps. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I think that's very I think that's very smart to do that. Um, and I may I I may uh, use that shield. Uh, I may equip that shield uh, for future <laughs> projects because I think it's I do think that there are people who you know, they're, they're, yeah, I, I consider like any like homebrew product, especially in the, the TTRPG space is like, yeah, go, that's the whole point of it is to like this, when I, I, you know, wrote this one, wrote this one shot that's, that uh, is, you know, coming out on Tuesday. And, you know, I say it's a, it's a launching point, you know, I, here I am, I, I set up the beginning, middle and end, you can play this the way I intended. And, you know, if you do, I, you know, thanks. I think that's awesome. And I hope you enjoy it. But yeah, you want to you want to change it around completely. If your players have a different idea about where they want to go in the middle of it, and you want to take your players there, go for it. All you know that's what the whole fun of this group storytelling exercise. Tell the the story that you that you and your group want to tell. Um, so yeah, think of these things as uh, these things are are launching pa- launching pads, not to, not dictates. And as a designer too, don't feel like you have to respond to every positive or negative review you get on your game that's not part of your job description either it's it's nice sometimes and sometimes you may be very tempted to um but i would personally recommend not getting into um wars with a negative reviewer (laughs) it just makes you look bad too you don't want to get you don't want to roll around in the mud with pigs um and you if if like setting those boundaries for yourself or what you have time commitments to is for as well. Um, when it comes to mentoring other game designers or collaborating or, you know, coming on as a guest on a podcast, it's okay to, to set those boundaries for yourself and, and say no to um, opportunities. So, so putting, putting the boundaries uh, for yourself in regards to what time commitments you reasonably have um, are also that's also an important part of being a game designer. That's especially true. I especially true. I think in the indie TTRPG scene, because you know, it's, it's a pretty close knit. I mean, it feels close knit, but there's a lot of people and there, there are expectations of collaboration that might not always be realistic. Um, I just think that that's, that's an important thing to say as well (laughs) Um, as, as if you start getting popular, um, I'm, I'm speaking to to my audience right now. Um, if you start getting popular as a designer, people are going to want to ask for your help and ask you to do th- do things. So yeah. it's okay to say no. Absolutely, go nuts with the no. <laughs> you find a bunch of gifts that are say no in different funny ways. You can, yeah, and you know. uh, and 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 you know, every so often make the comment that you know, like. It can just be something when you're talking about just like stuff you've got going on, you can slip it in there and say, well, and I had a couple of people come and ask me to write a little something for a stretch goal or this or that, but I was only able to do one of them. Like make it clear that you don't just say yes to everything that comes in. Right. Um, so people don't have an expectation. Or be or clear charge- that you have a price point for it. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. say charge or charge money for that service. <laughs> you know, that's another good way to set up that boundary, you know? Um, oh, okay. This is an exchange, you know, where I'm happy to do this for you. I'm happy to help you with your game, give you this advice. And I would also be very obliged to take your, be very uh, excited to take your money. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, we could do that, that everybody wins. I just thought and, of another thing too. Like when you're at a convention at a booth, it's okay to say, okay, you need to stop talking to me right now. Cause I have other people to get to. Um, this has happened to me a lot as, um, like sitting in a booth where people will want to talk to me for a length of time about a, a game, maybe not even my game, but games. And uh, I have other things to do during my convention. I, uh, I've done, I have exhibited at many conventions and uh, there's a term that I've heard for it. It's called booth barnacles. Uh, oh. People who, people who, uh, who stick at the booth and, and uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful if you're a fan, but you have to also have to respect that the person behind the table is there to sell their product. You generally there to sell their product, not just to talk to you for a long time. So you have to be respectful of other people's time when you're when you're at the booth, and make sure if you're there for a long time to purchase something from them, uh, because again, that's generally speaking why they are there to sell their wares. Yep. 
And and uh, a little hint to anybody like out there, if you're making a game or even if you're just like a fan of the game and you're helping at a booth, if you see somebody who's working with you at the booth get locked down into one of those conversations, um, you can interject and ask, say, hey, I got a question. I need your help on something and get them away so that we can kind of break that uh, that latch um, and the, the person can get, you know, can spend more time and talk to other people and make their make their sales and. And, and do eat all that lunch and eat lunch yes. and use and the restroom. God and- <laughs> damn, eat lunch, please. I was always, this is my thing with exhibiting. I would always make a point to like leave the booth and eat lunch because that's like a, that's like a boundary I had to set for myself because I sure. just cannot like, I don't know how other people do. I would look around all day and be like, nobody's taking lunch. Yeah, people are just like, snacking at the booth the whole time rather than taking time away. Yeah. I, I, I gotta tell you, go out. If you can go outside, go outside and eat a sandwich outside and you'll just feel like, oh, like the weight of the world has been like lifted from your shoulder. Because as much as we love convention, as much as I love going to conventions and I super miss conventions, this is one of been one of my, the hardest things about a COVID is it's just not going to like shows first, all shows canceling. And then the ones that come back being like, I don't think I could do this. Just looking at those Gen Con photos and being like, I couldn't do that. Um, but so I, I really miss it, though. I used to go to convention. I used to go to like 13, 14 conventions a year with my business. Uh, I ran a publishing house for many years. And uh, and yeah, just taking just like understanding, like how to take care of yourself when you're at these shows, because as much as I love people, I love going to booths. I love schmoozing. I love selling my stuff to people, love selling my games and then hearing them come back the next day. Oh, hey, I played the game at the hotel and we, we had a blast. It's like I love that stuff. You also need to take a break, you know, take a break for yourself, please. And it's important. It's important to remember at convention halls that convention halls are like casinos, no windows, no clocks, no passage of time. Mm -hmm. So if you can go and have lunch at, you know, the halfway point or at lunchtime or whatever, in a place that that's what they do is serve lunch. <laughs> um, it helps you to feel like the day is moving by and you don't feel like you're in this drag. And, and even if it's just, if you brought a lunch with you, go and sit down somewhere like in a corridor where there's windows, something where you can feel a connection with the rest of the world. <laughs> um, and you're not in that miasma of time stands still um, that, that, that the dealer hall can feel like when it's a long day, like, you know, long day at the dealer hall, you can feel like, well, I've been here forever. And it's like, I've got the dealer hall day has to be almost done. And you're like, Oh, it's been two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> yep. um, yeah, so that, that's helpful. Oh, I was just having a little crisis thinking about how much it is like a casino. <laughs> You're exactly <Yeah>. right. <laughs> You're exactly right. It's like a casino where nobody makes money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it's like everybody a casino. Loses. Yeah. And take, the house, house, at least in a casino, the house wins. Yeah. But like the convention itself doesn't make that much money. The exhibitors don't make that much money. The fans spend a lot of money it's like it's uh yeah. we we all we all come away with bags and bags of good times and but it's we, true but, i find but myself no, but no money unfortunately <laughs> i find myself thinking there's a lot to say that it's like a convention hall is like a casino there's a lot of money changing hands mm-hmm. um you all you know as a as a as a patron you go in with more money than you come out with there's a lot mm-hmm. of bright colors there's a lot of noise um, there may be people in skimpy outfits, you know, there's no alcohol. <laughs> those people aren't necessarily feeding you alcohol, cheap alcohol or something like a casino, but it's, there's, there's a lot of the same kind of, and so there, there is that rush and it can get draining. And that's another thing, just as far as the boundary thing goes, is that it can get draining. Like if you mm-hmm. want to, one of the things that kicks my ass at conventions is if I don't get a little break here and there, I get to the evening where I get to schmooze with other game designers which is one of my favorite parts of game conventions. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel beat and I'm ready to go to bed at eight o'clock, even though it's a convention. And I'm like, oh man, see, it's because I didn't drink enough water. I didn't take a break to go refill the water and I didn't take a break. I didn't rest. I didn't get off, get off my feet, go sit in a comfortable chair. You know, yeah. even if you're not, even if you're sitting at a, you know, on a, on a hard plastic chair or something at the convention, just going out into the lobby and sitting on a cushioned chair for a half hour while you have lunch is huge. Oh, I, I, I strongly recommend for your, if you, if you are exhibiting with a booth, bring your own chair. It's yeah, worth if it. If you can, if you I've can. done that a few times, and bring, I've, I've, and, I've brought and, my office chair, like yep. my cushioned office chair with a back and lumbar, lumbar support and everything. I oh, brought that to local conventions and a rug. If you can do it as yep. well. 
a rug because it's concrete floor. So if you put a rug under your feet, at least it'll be when you're standing all day, you know, at least it'll be a little bit comfortable. Oh boy, conventionism. So we're, <laughs> this is a whole, this is a, That's whole, a whole other, other topic. Episode. It's like how to survive how to a, convention. a convention. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, I'm writing that down. Yeah, do yeah. write that down, Craig. That's great. Uh, I, I feel like this has been the episode of similes and metaphors. <laughs> we've, we've had a lot. Jeffrey, you're, you're, you're excellent at, at analogizing. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes. I uh, analogize RPG, from, from an early age. So. R, RPGs are like um, uh, professional wrestling events and uh, gardens. conventions and, gardens. and gardens and casinos. conventions are like casinos. And casinos, um. yes. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about this DMs Guild thing that you have coming out. Absolutely. It's So, you know, I've been making... Uh, TTRPGs and stuff for uh, for years and years now. I think maybe since 2012, 2013. Um, but this is my going to be my debut on the DMs Guild, um, and uh, it's called Target Run, and it's a D and D sports comedy adventure in the uh, style of Caddyshack or the Mighty Ducks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so basically. It's uh, you've got the module which tells this sort of a funny and uh, and uh, a fun sort of madcap story, and there's also within the module a sport, a fully playable sport called Alligan. It's like an elven sport that's a mix <laughs> of uh, archery, hockey, and laser tag. So it's like an <laughs> archery team sport, and so you can play it separate from the module. So it's sort of a two, it's sort of a two for one. You get the story, but you also get the sport that you can put into your own uh, homebrew campaign as well. Um, in, uh, in Target Run, uh, you help Tazvan, who's a fun loving uh, dwarf who is trying to break into the high elf world of Allegan. And, uh, <laughs> and so she's, they go to the adventures uh, go with her to this country club, basically a treetop country club called Overtop Heights. And it's very elitist. Uh, it has an exclusive membership, but Tazvan manages to uh, to go to uh, goad the lead Allegan player into a bet. If, uh, if the adventurers and Tazvan can beat the Allegan superstars at their own game, then Tazvan can get a membership and can become the first dwarf to sort of break the elf ceiling <laughs> at overtop height. And uh, but I all, love that. All, it's like an oh, 80s movie. It is. It is a snobs versus slobs 80s uh, comedy <laughs> style comedy in D&D form. And so we've got uh, exploration in the overtop heights. There's a lot to explore uh, within the hotel, um, but there's also obviously a lot of social aspects of like, you know, taught of like partying and stuff and how those said uh, that there's some cheaters on the grounds that you might have to, uh, to expose. There's like a, there's like a conspiracy happening underneath. Um, and, and of course there's Alligan, um, you know, which is use, uses D and D combat, but some hand-to-hand -hand combat, but in some interesting ways to create a sport, to create oh. a non-lethal sport. <laughs> that's great. And you said that's coming in on Tuesday. So that's October 5th, right? Wait, uh, or October, the 20th, or September 28th. September 28th. I'm looking at next yeah. Tuesday. Right. <laughs> so by the time this drops, it, it's out. It's yeah. out. So search, uh, you're going to search the DMs Guild for Target Run and you should see it. It's got a big Target cover. It's a very eye-catching uh, cover um, and uh, by uh, Matt Rice, the terrific illustrator and uh, who did illustrations throughout. So there's maps and illustrations and uh, an Allegan and, and uh, it's a 30 plus page story, a uh, stat blocks, of course. So everything you need to play the adventure. Great. I, you mentioned Caddyshack and I had to look at my shirt and was like, oh, I'm not wearing my Smales Spalding for uh, 2024 shirt. <laughs> oh, that's I wonderful. Have, um, yeah, it's got, a, it's got a, lo a slogan on it too, which is you'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> <laughs> well that's great uh jeffrey is there anywhere else we can fi find you on social media absolutely uh you can find me on twitter at jeffrey golden that's a g-e-o-f-f-r-e-y g-o-l-d-e-n uh jeffrey like the giraffe golden like the color and uh <laughs> and uh, and you can also find me i have a newsletter called adventure snack um, which you could get at adventuresnack.com. I make uh, micro RPGs and I send to folks via email and, uh, and you can sign up for that as well. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Oh, thank you both for having me. I love the show. And uh, thank you. I I like your discussions. I think these are important topics and uh, it's good to air these, to have these discussions. Uh, And so uh, thanks for providing a forum uh, to have them. Well, you're welcome. And you can find me at Twitter at at Joska, or you can find my games at wannabegames.com. You can also find my Twitter handle spelled out there. I'm not spelling it there. (laughs) <laughs> and you can find me at NerdBurgerCraig on Twitter and uh, the website is NerdBurgerGames.com and the games are over at DriveThruRPG.com and NerdBurgerCon um, is coming soon. So soon. Find, the dis- find my Discord. There's a link in, at, in, in, the, in the Twitter page and there's a link in the website and uh, where people are signing up for games. Um, hopefully we'll fill up all the slots and we'll play a bunch of games on October 16th and 17th. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so much fun. Nerd Burger Con. And is it is it a virtual? Is it a virtual, yeah, virtual. convention? That's great. You can sit in your own chair. I'm going to sit right here where I hard, am. Don't have to sit in a hard <laughs> convention chair. Got a rug under my feet and everything. Scarf some nachos <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, it's Jess again. I just wanted to make sure that I'm giving proper credit to the song that we used in our opening and closing. That was Avil by Steph Sachs, which was licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks, Steph Sachs.